0: You'll have pilot cars, you'll have stuff that's really big. And this is dangerous stuff. And it, it really, you know, when you think about what a, a quarter million pounds is, it's, it's difficult to imagine that. But believe me, you know, if, if 250,000 pounds of steel meets your car at 65 miles an hour on the highway, it's not gonna be pretty, needless to say. So understanding that the pilot cars are not there to ruin your day, <laughs> we're there to keep you safe.
1: And as promised, Tony, here's our guest. Uh, Looks like we got a second cool cat on the uh, Trucking With podcast uh, show today. A little competition for you, Tony. Uh, uh, Isaac Kite, the man in the sunglasses. Welcome, Isaac. What's the story behind the shades?
0: Uh, It's great to be here. Um, You know, I've always liked the John Lennon sunglasses. Um, I grew up in Santa Cruz, California. It's kind of a hippie town. So... It's a way for me to to stay with my origins, even though I live in the Midwest now. So, uh, you know, I'm just I'm just being cool. Just a little bit of Elton John, a little bit of John Lennon. It's all good.
1: That'll work. Nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that. Well, Tony, we're going to talk with Isaac today about a variety of topics. Uh, most of them in the specialized transportation world, but we'll get into a little bit of trucking industry as as well. Isaac, uh, a man of many hats and shades, apparently as well. Uh, first and foremost one of the nation's Tony's most respected well-known pilot car professional pilot car operators also route surveying as well with those big enormous loads that'll be fun to talk about that in a little bit uh, he's on the board of directors for the National Pilot Car Association uh, so we'll talk that 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 kind of good stuff some truck navigation technology but uh, uh, I want to start with uh, <clears throat> this is two podcast in a row, Tony, where we've been in the presence of professional podcasters. Uh, Isaac, tell us about your podcasting career.
0: Well, I started podcasting a few years ago uh, with my first podcast talking about trauma, just talking about PTSD, mental health issues and things like that. Well, people aren't really eager to talk about that, Uh, but kind of an interesting thing about me years ago, I used to live in Israel. And I uh, actually worked in the Israeli government. So I know quite a bit about international relations and um, politics there. So my friends kept asking me about it. So finally, I, you know, instead of telling 10 people the same thing over and over again, I was just like, uh, I'm going to start a podcast just so that I don't have to tell everybody what, what I know. <laughs> so I started um, Inside Israel News, which is available on Apple, Spotify, all those podcasts. And uh, there I do news, international relations, politics, uh, and uh, I know your your favorite is my uh, my third podcast, the Isaac Kite Show, where I talk about history, philosophy, and life skills. So love it. I do a lot of different things.
1: Yeah, you you, you sure do. Um, so uh, in the podcasting world, any quick bits of advice for Tony and I? We're just getting started, uh, and anybody else out there listening that might want to venture into this world,
0: you know it. It's easier than it sounds to create a podcast now. Um early on when I first started doing like videos YouTube and and stuff back in the the early teens um it was a challenge. And um I mean it, the technology's come so far. There are so many apps you can get now. Uh it's really easy and you can make yourself sound pretty professional on a low budget. So it's like you, you get yourself a decent mic and and a decent app you don't have to spend a lot of money, but if you've got something to say about your industry, you know, your your fashion ideas, uh, whatever it is that, that floats your boat, uh, you can get out there and talk about it. And you never know, people may actually like what you have to say. Uh, I really like this podcast because you guys talk about some of the big issues in the industry uh, in a way that is informative. And so that way I feel like whatever my opinion is on whatever's going on, I feel like I'm getting both sides of the story and I have a, I, I'm just better informed on where everybody is.
1: Did he say informative, Tony? Apparently Isaac hasn't listened to our last podcast yet.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, <laughs> or we got a little didn't. silly.
1: <laughs> no, we try to have a little fun with it too, Isaac. And, and we want to do that with you today yeah. as well.
0: Sure. Hey, that can be informative too. I mean, you know, you can tell everybody how crazy you are too. That's another way to podcast.
1: <laughs> yeah. have you by chance Isaac caught any of the other seems like a million and one trucking podcasts that are out there um we, we actually interviewed a pretty famous truck podcaster the other day
0: yeah I, I listen to some truck podcasters uh I watch a lot of uh I have a lot of YouTube channels and uh, TikTokers that I follow um who do a lot of stuff in the trucking industry and you know, it's it's really interesting to listen to these guys, especially those who just talk about life on the road, because they talk about a lot of issues that we see trucks around us all the time and we're, we're familiar with them on the highway and oh, it's in my way and whatever. But there's a lot of issues we don't think about. You know, a lot of the, the things about the lifestyle the truckers lead that, you know, may not occur to us. And it's nice to be able to hear them, you know, talk about that stuff and, and you can kind of relate to them.
1: Well, Tony, I are going to chat question. with him a little bit.
2: Yeah, yeah. I, I got a question to do for you, Isaac. First of all, sure. you got six kids. You, you you don't look that old. So, I mean, don't you know what's causing that?
0: Oh yeah, and there's going to be a whole lot more of that. Um, yeah, we have. When my when my wife and I got together, uh, and uh, you know, we, now tell we married, Tony,
1: tell Tony what you call your your lovely wife.
0: Uh, I call her lady, Rachel. Uh, we, we met, you know, we, we got married in the synagogue and, uh, when we got ready to start a family, we we were both raised as only children. My, my sister and I weren't raised together. My wife is uh, lady, Rachel, she's an only child. And we thought, you know, if we're going to have kids, we're going to have a couple of them at least, you know, so that they can have Mm -hmm. brothers and sisters and what have you. And the kids just kept coming. And, you know, our, (laughs) our synagogue was uh, full of uh, little Egyptian ladies, um, you know, Jews who were forced to leave Egypt years ago, and they just keep encouraging us. You know you, you know, you can never have too big a family, have more kids. So, so we did, um, and I have, <laughs> I have five boys and a girl, and, um, I'm glad I have at least one girl, <laughs> but, um, So how
2: many more, how many more is coming?
0: Uh, probably not too many more. I, I am actually getting up there and, um, you know, I, I, I could do one more, but at this, at a certain point you start to realize, you know, there might be a day without diapers. And, uh, that, that's a blessing, you know?
2: Yeah, it is. It is. But that is so cool. So how in the world, you know, you're doing all this pilot car stuff. Um, how do you do that with six kids?
0: Well, for me, the experience of being in the military when I was young helps a little bit because you, you get into a lifestyle where you're kind of in one life when you're underway. You know, I was in the submarine service, so you know, when I'm, when I'm out at sea, I'm, you know, I'm working, I'm busy, I've got a lot of stuff to do. So it's a kind of, I'm in that zone. And when I'm off duty, you know, when I'm home, I can be in the home zone. And, and it, mm-hmm. it really separates life out a little better there. And yeah, I have some paperwork and some stuff I have to do when I'm home that relate to the business, uh, you know, calling and, and lead generation, what have you, but it allows me to be more present. In the home, so Lady Rachel manages everything um, and ov- obviously the kids get old enough to look after themselves a little bit, uh, but she manages everything at home and uh, i 'm able to go out and work and then when I get back home, I can kind of i want to say like unwind from the road and then focus in on just being home, being present in the family and and being able to help out and you know then the kids like that because when I first get home, of course, I you know take them to do something fun, and we you know mm-hmm we get to, we get to have a little bit more fun time.
2: So with all those kids that you've got, what, what's the ages? Uh,
0: My oldest is just turned 14 and uh, my youngest is two and a half.
2: Wait, 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 wait. The oldest is 14. That's right. And there's six of them. I can do quick math in my head, buddy. (laughs) She was, she was pregnant. Most of the time you guys have been together. I mean.
0: Yeah. Well, we, well, we've been together 20 years. I mean, we, we got together in college and we, we were together for a number of years before we got married. And then we were married a few years before we had kids. Uh, But yeah, my, my oldest is 14. My youngest is two and a half. And people always say we have a big family, but you see, when I was in Israel, uh, I knew a rabbi, uh, a good friend of mine, Rav Yossi, and he had 14 children and the, the oldest was in their thirties and the youngest was like seven. And he used to joke that when (laughs) the youngest one moved out, it would be time for uh, he and his wife to move in with the older kids to, to take care of them in their old age. Uh, it's, it it is nice having kids around, you know, and, and by the time Mm -hmm. we're kind of old, I want to say headed into our, our late fifties, sixties, what have you, we'll have grandkids, presumably. Uh, no, no hurry on that, but you know, we'll have, you said
2: when you get old that Steven, he he said when he gets around 50, so that makes (laughs) you very old, right? (laughs)
0: I didn't, I didn't mean it that way.
1: I, I think we got the makings of a pretty cool reality show here, Isaac. If you're ever in that market, think about it. The reality show would follow you half the time out on the road around these Uh big, enormous oversized loads. That would be cool enough. But then it would follow you home where you got the, uh, the big dooger thing going (laughs) with 65 kids in the house. That could be cool.
0: It's only six. And and the older ones, like I said, the older ones take care of themselves. They can look after the younger yeah. ones to a certain degree. I, I am looking forward to no more diapers. That that I won't miss. Potty training, having them all potty trained will be a really wonderful blessing.
2: Well, once wow. you, that happens, then your parents will need diapers, and you'll have to be changing theirs. So it will <sighs> well, go from yeah. one extreme to the other. So,
0: Yep.
1: Well, it's a great family. I can tell you that, Tony uh, and uh, Isaac and – Lady Rachel do a good, good job raising them, um, raising them with good morals and all. So you probably won't want to let them listen to too many of Tony and I's podcasts if you <laughs> want to keep them on the straight and, straight and narrow on morals. But, uh, well, let's jump out on the road. We've talked about the, the lovely family. Um, tell, the, tell our listeners uh, what it's like out there moving half million, million pound loads, 20 feet high and wide. What's that like?
0: That is interesting. I I started out as a company pilot car driver, a company that had a number of pilots and did a lot of heavy haul. And we were moving cooling fans from Oklahoma to Calgary uh, up in Canada, sometimes to Edmonton, sometimes uh, to other places up there. And that was a that was a lot of interesting work. So I I started out working with loads that were 16 to 18 wide, maybe 16 to 18 feet tall. um, Oh, the small stuff. Yeah. yeah, you know, reasonable <laughs> stuff. So it was a good learning experience. Um, eventually, I went out on my own, and pretty soon, I started doing a lot of these superloads. Uh, you know, when you're half a million pounds, when you're a million pounds, when you're, uh, you know, twenty feet wide, twenty twenty-five feet wide, twenty-five feet tall. I mean, these get really interesting, and you know, it's slow going. I mean, there are days when you're you you get fifty miles, and you just go man, what a day, you know, and <laughs> you think about it, it was only 50 miles, but it was a lot of work to get those 50 miles. So, um, and we'll have teams where, you know, you have the truck, you have a, a lead escort, usually me, a chase escort who's in the back. You got two police officers, one in front, one in back. You'll have a service truck with a, uh, you know, a Tillerman or a steerman. You'll have a bucket truck with you. I mean, sometimes we've got a big crew, of people, and it's not just you know three or four of us out there on the road. We'll have you know ten or twelve people all working to get this thing from point A to point B safely. Um, most of what I do now is a combination of wind and big industry. Um, everything from beer vats to uh, steel furnaces. Uh, steel industry is coming back in the U.S. in a big way, in, in Illinois, in Ohio, in other places. And so I've been doing surveys for a lot of, of steel stuff, uh, especially those those furnaces. Uh, moving from barges or, or moving from different parts of the country to the steel industry, you know, to their, their plants. Um, at this point, all I do is route surveys. Uh, I've, I've stopped escorting loads, uh, directly. And now I go two weeks, a month ahead of time and go out and determine, uh, is the, is the route safe to get to that point professionally? You have to have escorted a very broad variety of loads you have to understand what a 240 foot long wind blade is like. You have to understand what a 25 foot wide, uh, rocket component is like. And you have to be able to do those, uh, kind of in your head. You have to be able to imagine what this load is going to be doing as it goes around this turn and does it have enough room. And so a lot of times I'm out there, you know, measuring turns and, uh, doing stuff like that to make sure that the loads can pass. Uh, so that, that gets really interesting. Yeah. So,
2: let me ask you, Isaac, do you look at yourself as if you're the guardian angel over that load? Because think about it. You guys are out there, you know, you first of all, if you're pre-driving these routes and you're looking, you screw something up, you could really screw up that rocket. <laughs> okay? You could screw something up that took a lot of time to build, a lot of money to make. So in my mind, if I was an oversized overweight carrier and I I'm a driver, I want more of you around me because you're gonna help cover my butt because it's hard enough driving that truck and watching everything, but knowing what's coming, knowing what what you just left, knowing what's how the weather's gonna be. It's all those dynamics, to me, pilot car guys are really guardian angels for that driver, in my opinion.
0: We are. And you know, you if you're doing the job right, you're taking a sense of of responsibility. And I don't wanna say like a, a grave heavy weight. But there is certainly a responsibility you have for that load. You have to read that permit right and make sure that uh, in in, certainly in the route survey case, uh, for sure, making sure that everything is safe Uh, and some things can be pretty sensitive, pretty important. Uh, I've done route surveys for satellites and top secret projects of various kinds. Won't say much more about that. I can say I did the route survey and escorted the um, SpaceX's uh, Dragon capsule, the first manned mission we sent up since the space shuttle was decommissioned first manned mission from America. Uh, I brought that capsule to, uh, to Florida to Cape Kennedy. And you know, you, you, it's not just, I mean, in a certain sense, it was just another oversized load. Okay. You know, it's another job, but it was a really special one to me and I took extra care with it. And when we got it there, I mean, the feeling of accomplishment, you know, thinking about not just my small role in a big part of history, but also how important that was. And in terms of safety, I mean, and that's the other thing, every wind blade, every tower, uh, every furnace that gets to where it's going safely so that we can generate power so that we can make steel and and people can work, uh, but that the motoring public can go home safe at night, right? That's very important too. So yeah, we're, we're out there. We're guiding that driver. We're taking responsibility for what we see and uh, doing the best we can, you'll you'll hear in the news a lot when whenever we mess up, right? When there's an accident, when something falls over, when a bridge is hit. But thousands, I mean literally thousands of loads move safely from point A to point B, wherever they're going across this country every year with pilot cars, and uh, we get we get most of the stuff there safely. It's those it's those one or two loads every year that you hear about in the news that make us sound bad, but. You know, for the most part, we're doing our job right.
1: (laughs) Well, let's talk about safety. Um, In your role on the board of directors with the National Pilot Car Association, which uh, I'm proudly a personal member of as well. Um, You guys, by the way, really got things going in the right direction with that association. Congratulations, Isaac, to you and Josh and Nadia and all your board members. Well done. But you guys are about to embark on, well, a couple of things. One's gonna involve pro miles. We'll talk about that in a moment, but near and dear to your heart, Isaac, for years has been educating and that safety aspect for all the motorists on the roadways. And you guys are about to get into a massive PSA campaign.
0: Yeah, we're we're trying to uh we're trying to reach out to the general public and educate them about what we do. And that's complicated because that, that can take a lot of money. We're, we're working with right now with state DOTs in a couple places, especially Maryland, uh, working on this idea of how do we engage with the public about pilot cars? Uh, and one uh, big idea that's come through has been the idea of maybe using um, the driver's ed book I mean, basically where, where people are learning to drive in the first place, it'd be a great place mm-hmm. to interact. I think there's not enough in the driver's ed book about trucks in general. Uh, people should, you know, young youngsters who are learning to drive really need to understand how dangerous trucks are, normal legal truck loads, let alone oversized loads that can be very heavy, wide, tall, and what have you. And uh, also, you know, delivery trucks, you know, your FedEx and, and UPS drivers who do, do a great job delivering so many things in our country. Uh, sometimes they don't drive like the rest of us do either. You know, they, they'll stop suddenly or uh, park in the center median to deliver a package or what have you. Uh, but oversized loads as well, because you'll have pilot cars, you'll have stuff that's really big, and they just need to understand at that point where they're learning to drive that this is dangerous stuff. And it it really you know, when you think about what a, a quarter million pounds is, it's, it's difficult to imagine that, but believe me, you know, if, if 250,000 mo- uh, pounds of steel meets your car at 65 miles an hour on the highway, it's not going to be pretty needless to say. So understanding that the pilot cars are not there to ruin your day, <laughs> we're there to keep you safe. And I, I think one of the, one of the most interesting stories I have from that, I, it was, uh, out in, uh, Ohio once uh, with a load, and I was in the chase position early in my career, and the lead escort uh, saw a law enforcement vehicle on the side of the road, and so we needed to get over quick, and that meant that I had to cut off this minivan that was trying to pass me, and they had to tap their brakes, and uh, I could kind of see them in the back there, you know, yelling and up a storm, and uh, when when we cleared the police officer, we got back over, and I got back in the right lane, and as we passed, the two adults in the car were. Flipping me the bird, you know. They were telling me I'm number one. I guess you could say. Um, I never respond. I just, you know, okay. But you know, in the back seat, there was a little four or five year old girl with a teddy bear who was waving at me and smiling, mm. and I waved back. Wow. And you know, she got to go home that night and sleep in her bed and have her bedtime story safe and sound because of the work that I do. And maybe her parents weren't in such good mood about what I do, but getting home safe is the point. So,
1: Tony, I think you were wanting to know earlier, Tony, uh, what was it? A couple of specifics, for example, what what should drivers do as they're approaching or oncoming?
0: Well,
2: I'll just tell you how I feel. I mean, I'm around them all the time and I mean, we help deal with these guys. But I'll be the first to say, you know, when I'm going down interstate and I see a pilot car and then a little bit in front of it, you see the truck, you see the load and then in front of it, you see another one what am I supposed to do? I mean, do I go around them? Do I stay behind them? Do I just slow down and, and stay behind them for a hundred miles and wait? Do I go around? When do I go around? Uh, do I have to yell some cool signal to say, Hey, I'm coming, I'm coming. What do we need to do to make your job as the pilot guard easier? Because in that little scenario you said, you pulled in front of them to help save that little girl's life is what you did. You risked yourself by pulling over to say, Hey, you got to stop. Why? Because I'm the guardian angel that's going to protect you and that load. And that's our job. Our job, we, you may not like us sometimes of what we do, but we're going to do it because we're trying to do it for safety. And I think that's huge, dude. I really do. You should be very proud of that.
0: Well, thank you. Um, That is, um, that is a trick. I mean, so what I try to get to people is just follow pilot car instructions. If the load's all in the right lane, you're on a four lane freeway or highway, let's just say. They're all in the right lane, pilot cars in the right lane. Generally speaking, you can pass. But if you're gonna pass, pass. Pass like you mean it. Like you know, punch it, get up ahead of the load at the very least. Mm. Now, if you're between the load and the lead pilot car, that's not so bad. Um, The lead is gonna space themselves out depending on the weight of the load and the size because they have to be far enough ahead that they can see obstructions, traffic or other issues and report Mm -hmm. that back to the driver. Don't get between the chase and the load. A good chase car is going to be about 300 feet behind the load or maybe maybe 200 to 300 feet. And so they're driving at what's a safe distance for them at the speeds that they're going. If you get in between, you're automatically unsafe. Um, mm-hmm. Sometimes when you're passing on a two lane, you may pass the, the chase escort and then see an oncoming car and have to get in there. But don't linger. Mm-hmm. Don't stay very long. As soon as you can, you get out there and you go. Um, But if you're on a two lane, usually if you just wait a little while, they'll probably turn right or left up ahead. But Mm -hmm. um, like I said, on that four lane, just just stay back a little bit. Watch their directions. If they get over in the left lane back off, just give them a little space. Mm -hmm. It it doesn't hurt. You know, give them a little room, but they'll let you know what they need you to do Um, if you're coming at a load. And you see a pilot car and maybe they're waving a flag at you or uh, obviously anytime you see somebody in an orange vest with a stop sign paddle, you know, Mm -hmm. just respect the vest. I don't care if it's a pilot car or a road worker or whatever. Too many people die every year tragically in orange vests because uh, maybe the load broke down on the side of the road up ahead and yeah. that pilot car's mm-hmm. out there and he's got his orange vest on. He or she's got their orange vest on and their hat. And they're just trying to keep everybody safe. They'll stop you, you know, and just like, Hey, wait, traffic's coming through. We'll let you go as soon as we can. So, so stuff like that, basically just kind of follow their lead. And when you pass, pass like you mean it, just get on, go on up there. Because if we see something on the road that we need to change lanes or we need that load to come into the middle, uh, you don't want to be there in our way, you know, just, mm-hmm. just get on up.
2: Yeah, that's pretty cool i mean i i tell you it's it, it it you it's a different perspective when you really sit back and you look at it from your eyes because i will tell you i've never really been that courteous to pilot car drivers in the past because to me you know they're driving down the road they got these lights and i'm like what what are you doing And I mean that guy driving trucks you know what he's doing and i never really understood it growing up i didn't uh now looking back i mean those guys are they're just as important as the guys working on the side of the road with those flags and they're trying to help you stay safe they're trying to protect you and their workers and their people and their family it is it's not easy doing it what what's the biggest load you've you've ever helped move the biggest
0: oh um i've been on a couple of mega loads Uh, big transformer i remember took from arkansas up to indiana that was, that one was almost a million pounds. The, the transformer itself was something like four, 400, 000, but in order to have a trailer big enough to move it, two trucks, one in front, one in back. And, um, it was, it was heavy. It was a big load. That was one where, you know, if we got a hundred miles in a day, we would, we'd celebrate. It was time. It was Miller time. You know what I mean, like it's, yeah. it was time to party because if you, you know, if we made 50 miles in a day and, and still we'd be like. Oh my God, what a day, you know. Um so those those are big and you know, you don't think about it, but a lot of the bridges and infrastructure that we have are not designed for those kinds of loads. Um Mm -mm. so we'll have to, you know, we have to stop traffic because that load is the only thing that can be on the bridge. Right? Mm -hmm. Especially if you're going over a river. Like that that's a lot of weight. And so we're, you know, we're gonna let that thing creep across the bridge at five miles an hour and no one's gonna be on the bridge with it. Not me not other cars, you know, and we had yep. law enforcement to help with that one too. But, um, you know, they weren't, lot, they weren't a lot
2: it. more coordinating. You got to coordinate that too. I mean, yeah. and then you mentioned bucket trucks. So for people that don't know what a bucket truck is, you ever get your electricity you're in a hurricane, you see thousands of these things, you know, they got a bucket in the front you sit in them, you pull a little lever, it picks you up. Why? Because you're driving down the road, you got trees, you got to move out of the way you got power lines, you got to move out of the way you got lights. These bucket truck guys will ha- go with you guys, and they'll pull up, and they'll help get things ready, and then the load can go through. We've got tons of videos of loads that we've permitted through the states before, and, I mean, they, they may only go 20 miles. And that 20-mile move took over a day to happen, I mean, through night and everything, because this thing was so huge. they had They couldn't even lift the wires up with the bucket trucks. They had to re- undo the power, kill the power. Did it come through and all? And it took, I mean, I remember it had three trucks hooked to this thing. It had like 20 something, 30 axles. I also remember this, this, this thing that took over the main interstate and it would eat up the interstate and spit it back out and repave it. This thing was so big and weighed so much that if it was to stop moving, it started to sink on the road. Okay, so they literally it was so cool because we had video back then of it. These guys would drive next to it with these wet hosers, you know, to fill it up while the truck is moving. It never stopped. They couldn't. And there was areas you go back after and you see the dips in the road where that one load affected that route that bad. I mean, I don't know. I wouldn't want to pay for that load. That thing had to have cost a lot of money. I mean, when you're talking a million pounds or something what kind of permit money what kind of what kind of money they're having to dish out to move something even like, like the load you mentioned from arkansas to what was it indiana or somewhere yeah. how much did that thing cost to do
0: oh i i don't even know i mean a, the the transformer itself was millions of dollars i know that much um going to a, a plant uh but i mean it, it it was a lot of money and a lot of people and a lot of man hours and there're not many companies that have the equipment even to move something like mm-hmm. that but yeah, I mean, you're, you're talking about stuff that's basically sinking into the road. I mean, we, we've got to be very careful where we park this stuff because, you know, we get, uh-huh. may get there in the morning and it could be half a foot down in the ground. I mean, <laughs> you know, it, it's, it's heavy stuff. Um, you know, you, you got a large team of people, you got a lot of equipment and, you know, then this is, this is very dangerous. Uh, I know that recently, I mean, doing surveys that are, say, 25 feet tall, I'm writing down that when we come through town, they're going to have to unbolt the power lines, uh, excuse me, the, the light, the, the traffic lights, they have to unbolt the traffic lights and lean them back just so that the load can go under them. Cause some of those traffic lights are like 18 feet tall and we're going to be 25. Mm. Um, I yep. mean, and that's, that's big. And that's when, you know, you start thinking about infrastructure a little bit more and what that infrastructure costs and the damage that can be done when we make a mistake, mm-hmm. you know, and to so your- why we have to be careful
1: yeah, Isaac, yeah. excuse me to your question, Tony. I have seen personally multi-state permit fees in which you add up just the permit fees, um, the personnel, their time and labor, the utility folks, the DOT folks, sometimes they come out, of course, the pilots and the and the police. Uh, I'm sure the pilots uh, Isaac would like to be paid more, but I've seen six figures for mm-hmm. a carrier. For their entire expenses and that's not paying their own people in the preliminary design but i've seen a hundred thousand dollars plus in terms of expenses just for the move. Well,
2: sometimes doesn't the states require you hire an engineer to go out and oh, yeah. survey a bridge sometime
1: ohio west virginia
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah well they want to make sure that their their property stays intact i mean this this you know the oversized overdimensional world is always intrigued my partner tim he he came to me one day and he says tony i'm getting bored i'm said getting bored dude we still got a lot more roads to put in we got a lot of updates to do he said no this just isn't it's challenging anymore he said you know what i want he said i want to take that load that weighs a million pounds and take it over that bridge that permit office said to take it and i want to watch that bridge collapse i want to prove <laughs> that engineer wrong i went tim that is terrible he goes no he said not that i want it to happen he said but I would really like to understand it more. I'd like to understand why. Why do you do this sometimes? Why do you why do you drive halfway up on that curb as you're going over that bridge? You know, why does all that make a difference? And I tell you, once Jeffrey Trees and Herman and and uh Nikki, those folks we got over there in our bridge department now, it's it's it was the piece was, that we were missing, I think.
1: because I was just we have our own say, engineers now. I was just about to say, Isaac, you may not know this and our listeners not, but the funny part about your story, Tony, is now you and your partner own a company that has the exclusive software design for all the state DOTs to analyze that weight. How yep, it's funny how AASHTO, things come around.
2: Yeah. Yep. It's the Toe Bridge uh, rating and bridge design software. And thing is, is, these engineers, I mean, we got lucky when we got them because uh, they were going to be losing the contract at the company that we're currently with. And so they knew that we were doing all this except for the bridge analysis and uh, that was the one thing my partner tim says you know we just can't do that part time we, we got to have special guys that really understand this and trust me you meet some of these engineers that work for us they are some very unique individuals but some of the smartest people you've ever met in your life and you know what i'm glad every day of my life that these guys and gals are helping protect these bridges because if not we would have so many more bridge collapse because i'll tell you the last time we got access When it was on a tape reel from the bridge inventory from the government many years ago the deficiencies of a lot of those bridges are bad if people really understood how how all these bridges that we've been driving over like right here in colorado where i live by glenwood springs uh you go downtown you got highway six you know and then you got interstate when you go over that interstate you know on these overpasses they had 1970 embedded on the concrete this thing looks pretty bad. Now, I was born in 1970. I've had to be up. I had to be fixed a few times. Okay. This thing needs a lot of repair. And what gets me is you look at all these bridges and they all do. And we need to understand that our industry and our world, our country, we need better infrastructure. And one thing that I'm very happy to see is more guardrails being put up more medians on the inside, more things to save people lives. Because up here, when you start sliding, it's, it's like, you know, bumper boats out here sometimes. And those trucks, they get the bad rep because they're going to slide farther and harder and make a bigger mess. They close down, you know, interstate 70 through Glenwood Canyon all the time. Even this morning, somebody hit a, uh, hit a stupid overpass and ended up flipping a truck over. I mean, it happens every day in this country. And I'll tell you, if the people out there like you and me that drive a car and a truck and we're, we're out there just going up and down the road, a, cons- a consumer, you know, if we understood one-tenth of what y'all had to understand out there, I think we would have a whole lot less wrecks. I believe, to your point, that part of you learning to drive is we're going to put you inside of an 18-wheeler. We're going to let you ride in this 18-wheeler, and we're going to drive really fast. We hit our brakes, and I'm going to show you what this is going to do. Or do like they did. And I remember in high school or better yet, when I got my tickets down in Texas, uh, the judges always, oh, I'll well, tell you what, go to defensive driving and, and I'll do away with your points. Okay. So I did that many times down there. But when we did, we watched those videos. And i tell you, I do remember a couple of videos that he showed us that was so gruesome because, you know, it, it was real video of the accident and the truck and what happened. And, you know. Looking back, I do remember them talking about trucks, talking about why you respect the truck and how the truck doesn't have the amount of room to stop. I mean, just all these things. But I guarantee you, 99% of the consumers out there don't understand any of this. None. Because most of the truckers that drive normal loads, you know, a normal 80,000 gross weight load with a box truck or whatever van, you know, going down the road, these guys don't really understand the pilot world they don't understand how to do the big trucks that's why those are the same guys you watch on tv that are going down here in colorado hitting i-70 they go out there where there's no trees and no mountain areas and then all of a sudden a good wind comes and knocks them over you know i guarantee it. they wouldn't have been driving through that wind if they knew half as much as most of these oversized carriers or these pilot cars knew because they wouldn't have went to begin with those are the things that we need to teach everybody else It's kind of like having kids. I said it before. I believe that this world need to make you get a license before you have a child. (laughs) I really do. Uh, And I think we need to go through a process of making sure those guys are the right guys. So with you being a pilot car guy, could I today just take my F-350 truck I got out there? It looks really cool. I put some lights on the top and I want to be a pilot car guy. (laughs) I can't wait to hear the answer to this. How hard is it for me (laughs) to become one? What's the regulations about? Uh, how much money can I make? You know, this is, is going to be a really yes and no do?
1: answer, Tony. This is going to you know, be a yes and no answer. What is it?
0: <laughs> let me let me wax philosophical for you a moment. Uh, there's a there's all a right? wonderful Chinese philosophy called Wu Wei, the action of inaction. It's it's very literally don't do it. Like whatever you think you're going to go do and make the world a better place, and uh-huh. you think that you're going to accomplish all kinds of great things and become wealthy and powerful and whatever, don't do it. Right. So that's what I'm going to tell you. Don't do it.
2: <laughs> don't, don't do it. Don't do it.
0: <laughs> unless unless you're ready to dedicate your life to a very difficult industry, don't do it. Wu way. Uh, all the way. So um, it, it's a really challenging industry. Uh, I started out as a company driver. Just to do that, I had to get certified. There's a certification mm-hmm. class you have to take. I think we're at nine or 10 states now that require certification. Um, New York doesn't. Accept uh, anyone else's certification. So, you if you're going to drive up that way, you're going to have to get at least two certifications. So, uh, you know, Washington State is taught pretty much everywhere across the country. So, that's the one that I use. So, that's that's the first thing you're going to have to dish out three hundred, three hundred fifty dollars to get a certification before you can even hit the road, because you are going to end up going through those states that require certification, including my home state here in Kansas. Um, next thing you need to do is buy you know, six or $7,000 worth of equipment. Uh, you know, you need signs, lights. They can't just be any lights. You can't just take a, a couple of a little yellow, you know, amber strobes and put them on. You'll need a, a 36 to 48 inch light bar in some mm-hmm. States re- that, that require that you need, uh, nine flares you need. I mean, there's, you know, you have to have a, uh, fire extinguisher, half pound fire extinguisher, 36 inch cones and a driver's, uh, for Florida, you have to have a, uh, a defensive driving class that you can show you've taken within the last four years uh, because that's what's required for them under their contractor law. If you're going to be a, any kind of road worker mm-hmm. or do any kind of flagging in, in Florida, you have to have a defensive driving course within the last four years. So those, those are all things you have to do. Okay, so now you've got your truck set up, you've doled out all the money for your equipment, you've got your certifications, you've got your uh, defensive driving course. Now we get to talk about insurance. That's the one that I really think we should talk about up front sometimes. Uh, mm-hmm. it's it's terrible. First, you have to get commercial insurance. Just like if you're gonna deliver pizza or do Uber or uh, uh what what's the new uh you know, Uber Eats and that kind DoorDash. of stuff. You, you know, mm-hmm. you DoorDash, I mean you can't just have personal insurance because they don't cover those kinds of accidents that come in those kinds of activities. If you're delivering pizza, you are engaged in a commercial activity. So you have to have commercial insurance, which I can tell you is not cheap. Uh, And different carriers have uh, different insurance carriers have different rates for that. But depending on your driving history, how long you've been insured commercially, the nature of your vehicle, whether you need collision, liability, all that, you can easily be paying six or seven thousand dollars a year for reasonable commercial insurance. And that goes up from there. There are people I know who have thousands, tens of thousands of dollars in insurance costs. And then we need to talk about gen- general liability and professional. If you are uh, engaged in pilot car activity and somebody hits the load, let's just say I'm in, in the lead and I don't call back a four. In our, in our language, cars are, are four wheelers. Right. So you're, mm-hmm. you're as as the, as the meme says with the, the cat and the, the man, you know, yelling at the lady yelling at e- each other. You know, it's a four wheeler. Right. Anyway, mm-hmm. uh, we, <laughs> I, if I don't call that four wheeler back and he hits the load, it could very well be my fault that the accident happened. However, mm-hmm. my vehicle was not involved in the accident. And my in- commercial insurance company, Progressive or uh, National mm-hmm. Indemnity or whoever those that company is, they're not going to pay. For an accident that did not involve my vehicle. So there's a special insurance for that, a professional insurance, and you have to get general liability, which doesn't do anything for our industry in order to get that professional. So a million dollar professional policy to cover me in case I make a mistake out there and there's an accident where my vehicle isn't even involved. Uh, and then, you know, that can end up in those almost certainly end up in court, you know, big liability for that kind of stuff. Yeah, uh, and, and it can be a big problem. So all right, then. all right, all right. All right, t- Hold on. T- now you can drive. Isaac. <laughs> time out is <of> second, <laughs> no, no. Isaac. I'm
1: going to let you take a breath. Here's why I'm snickering, Tony, because that was all the yes answer to your question. Uh uh-huh. But the dirty little secret is a whole lot of people, unfortunately and illegally, right, do exactly what you suggested. And they get a truck and they buy a little blinky light. And unfortunately, some folks out there will hire them and pay them. To illegally yep. pilot loads, right, Isaac? Mm-hmm. The dirty yeah, little they,
0: secret. They're the cheapest rates.
1: Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I, I bet you they
2: are, and I bet you they they come and go a lot too. And I honestly, I you know, I, I had no idea. To be honest, I had no idea the just on the insurance side. I never thought about those possibilities that if that person that four wheeler gets between you and that truck, something happens, they are going to come back to you. And if your insurance doesn't cover it well that one thing you didn't just lose your nice little bitty uh pilot car business you could lose your life somebody else's life you could lose everything you've built for your whole life your whole family could lose everything you'd lose your house you can lose your you know everything just because of a little mistake that you didn't quite make you couldn't control it but a four-wheeler car came up and it was their fault their issue but those people that got killed are going to come after every one of you guys, everyone. And they're going to say all these people, including the police that was part of this escort, you know, we're going to sue them, too. Why? They all had a responsibility to do this. You know, that's this is interesting. I need to make sure. And and, and Megan, if you're listening, make a big note. We need to talk to my niece because she does DoorDash. And, uh-huh. uh, and I guarantee you she doesn't have any of that extra insurance uh, that she needs to be out there doing. And. And, uh, I'll tell you, she's one of the ones that she'll get in an accident too.
1: Uh, I thought you were going to suggest she's a wild one, a pilot career. We could, uh, we could give her some <laughs> advice, Tony. No, I'm serious. I'm serious. Yeah. You know, we could, we yeah. could get her set up. Hey, well, the, you know, uh, but
2: here's the thing, Stephen, mm-hmm. Stephen, the big thing though. And the reason I asked you, is, mm-hmm. you know, how hard is it to get in there? Because that was my thought. I, you know, me being around this now for about 20 years on the oversight side, it's, you know, you see them out there, and I know that they're always wanting certifications. And I know there's guys out there that help that help pilot loads every day, and they're making money, or even doing the surveys like you're doing. You know, how do you? I mean, you're not making a million dollars doing this. So it sounds like you know, unless you really love safety and really want to do something for this world, don't be a pilot car person because <laughs>
0: it's worse
1: than being a trucker. We're trying to build your spirits up here, Isaac. This is good for yeah, you.
0: It's quite a life. It, it is something different. <laughs> and um you you have to have a passion for it, I want to say. There there are certain jobs that you just have to believe in it to do it. But but to your point, I mean as a business, that's what I was I was going to go into next. I mean, it's not a fun it's not great as a business because you're talking about all those expenses you got to pay every year, right? And mm-hmm. you go out there and every time you hit the road, especially when gas prices go up, Lodging costs go up. Food prices go up. You're talking about, you know, on the road spending, you know, a a third, maybe 40% of your income on variable expenses Mm -hmm. that depend on where you're going. Right. So, so, you know, you you do a run and you make two grand on it. Right. Let's just say 800 of that is what it costs for you to get that money in the first place. So now you got $1,200 mm-hmm. left. Well, now you've, you've got to contribute that to tires, maintenance, uh, mm-hmm. even just normal like tires and and uh, oil changes are a lot of money every year uh, on top mm-hmm. of your insurance, on top of that. So to, to profit and make good money at it, you have to stay busy a lot. You have to be really on top of your expenses and you have to know how to manage all of these things. And of course, you know, avoid getting yourself into trouble. So, um, I mean, it's not, it's not an easy business. It's not show business. It's not glamorous, uh, but we do keep people safe. And uh, you know, if, if you're going to do it, you can always start working for someone else because then you can learn what you need to learn, and they'll pay the insurance and all that kind of stuff, and teach you. Uh, that that's a good way to get in. That's how I started, uh, and then eventually maybe you can go out on your own if you feel like you're you're competent at it. It's also a lot of nights away from home, and yes, I get to see a lot of the country. And a lot of the country that most people don't get to see, but yeah. at the same time, uh, you know, I, I'd have to, you know, hurry back, <laughs> driving, you know, a lot of miles every day, seven, eight, nine hundred miles a day, trying to get home as quick as I can, uh, to see my little babies, you know.
1: That that I, I gotta I gotta go there, Tony, because uh, he just touched on something that, and this is true for the truck driver too. Um, the downside is they're on the road a lot, but the good side is. They do get to see the country. And I'll give you a great example, Tony. Uh, Isaac here, my good buddy, was out piloting out our way uh, a couple of months ago. And he pulled into the, uh, uh, the the Stephen and Denise bed and breakfast. We gave him a hell of a rate, by the way. And uh, he took <laughs> me right. the next day. He took me the <laughs> next day, and he was my tour guide. I told you he was a history buff. And we went and saw some really cool civil war uh battlefields that I never would have done previously. Mm-hmm. So there is something to that, Isaac, the truck driver and the pilot car driver. You do get to see some cool stuff.
0: I've had some runs where, you know, when I'm done and I'm coming home, you know, I'll take some of the back roads. You know, um finished uh I, I, you know, if I if I finish up in Montana, maybe I'll take some of the country roads back down to Wyoming and see some beautiful country. Uh you know, there's a lot of beautiful country out there. The um, The river valley, the Ohio River Valley. I really love Mm -hmm. driving along the Ohio River and seeing uh, all the nice little towns along there. I mean, there there are a lot of great places. I spend a lot of time in West Texas,
1: (laughs) so (laughs) you know small
0: small little towns out in the Permian Basin. But you know, you can learn a lot of that stuff. I'll I'll drive up onto the Llano Estacado and think about what it was like in the days of Quanah Parker and the Comanche uh antelope band running around there the army mm-hmm. trying to chase them and then them giving the army a big headache you know those were those were some interesting there, there was interesting times and of course the civil war battlefields uh that was that was a good yeah. time we'll have to do that again It was. <laughs> well
2: you know yeah. something there uh that you stop and think about is all the stuff that really happens around us we don't hear one of the things i heard yesterday i was sitting there talking to my son chase and he says he was reading this article and he says dad do you know what happened in Texas? I said, What? He said, This milk factory or whatever caught on fire 18,000 yes. head of cattle. 18,000. Tragic. Now, that was the hell of a barbecue. Think about it. You know, all they had to do is go out there with the pitchforks and everything else, pick them suckers up, finish getting them, clean them. They're already cooked. We could have sold them suckers, gave them <laughs> off to all the hungry people. But Seriously, <laughs> when I've driven through Texas so many times, going from Colorado to our office in Texas, and you go through the panhandle, of them, there's uh, the Texark uh, town, Texark or something like that. It's right on Texas-Arkansas line, and Texark. you know there's some areas there. And so, and it's man, when you travel across there, the smell, you know you're somewhere when you can smell the urine and the poop from them cattle, and the entire town smells like this. We stayed at this hotel. We couldn't even sleep at night because it stunk so bad. And people lived there. But I couldn't imagine. And it, and it probably is one of those areas. Cause, man, they had tens of thousands of cattle, but 18,000 so, head of cattle So Peter on fire. PETA, uh,
1: PETA, if you're listening, that's Tony Strachek. <laughs> Tony Strongcheck, PETA. Send your letters to me. I was him. just
2: trying to get something good out of something ah. bad. Think about it, you know. It takes a lot to cook them things, and if they're good and cooked, I'm guarantee that inside's still good. Go ahead. We, we, I have do a good a of,
0: we do a lot of work out of uh, Garden City, Kansas, and it's a very special town because there are feedlots to the northwest, the northeast, the southwest, and the southeast, and so it doesn't matter which direction the wind is blowing <laughs> at any given time. You can smell it yeah. all year round right there.
1: Ah. So, Garden City, ah. Kansas, Tony. That's the town that loves the wind industry. They love their wind blades. No, I'm just I'm being sarcastic. I'm being sarcastic. Oh, yeah,
0: don't uh, to any pilots or, or oversized truckers listening? Uh, don't mess around out there. I'm in Kansas. The, <laughs> don't the don't have a breakdown. And, uh, they um, yeah they don't, don't they don't have a sense yeah. of humor about it. So uh, <laughs> mind your P's and Q's around uh, the, those uh, around the the Garden City area.
2: Hey, guys, I want so to close out. So you're in Kansas, you say? Yes. Garden City. All right. Here's what I need you to do for me, okay? I, they just two weeks ago passed a law that specific type of crawfish, dads, you know, down there in Louisiana, we all like to bowl. We always have them shipped here to Colorado every year a couple of times. I go to order them for my son's birthday. We're all excited. I had the jumbo ones. They're now invasive species to the state of Colorado, Okay and uh you know i kind of blame my daughter for that because we we've had them a few times and she's a vegan so she tried to let them go loose and go free well she put them in the state park bond and maybe she shouldn't have done that because i think she pissed somebody off but the thing is is i need somebody in kansas because it's not illegal in kansas so i need them sent to kansas picked up at the airport and then driven probably illegally, uh, to my house here in Colorado. So if you know anybody doing that with a pilot car business, I could probably show you to make some extra money as a pilot car guy to haul some crawfish some of that time.
0: I'll I'll open a new division, Einstein smuggling. (laughs) There (laughs) you go. There you go.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that that is a trick.
0: I mean, uh, growing up in California, I mean, there were so many species that were invasive because Mm -hmm. there were such problems. I, I definitely understand the caution that people want to take with that stuff. Um, but at the same mm-hmm. time, I mean, yeah, you're, you're planning to eat them. <laughs> they're not going, you yeah. know, ideally they're not going free. So uh, no, maybe no. you just need to schlep on down here to Kansas and, uh, you know, and, and eat here, you know?
2: Yeah. We might just, we might want to do that. Cause my kids are telling me I'm stupid. I want to drive six hours, go pick up some crawfish and bring it back. I'm going I always go an hour anyway. And that's a lot better than driving all the way back down to New Orleans, you know, where, where you can get the good stuff. But let me ask you. Maybe the bandits thing. around. Maybe the bandits could around. be.
1: Call him. Maybe
2: he's he's getting old though, man. They're all yeah. getting old. Um, I loved his car. I would love his car. I, I wish I had a Trans Am just like his. You know. You know that was not
1: all, all that. that great a car um, no. when it comes to sports cars it was not it looked cool neither was neither
2: was the iroc z
1: and i'll tell you that the entire
2: underneath of that iroc z doesn't do well over these railroad tracks (laughs) mostly when you're going really really fast that guy was with his parents had all kinds of money and i remember he turned 16 and they bought him a brand new iroc z and he was driving to work i looking back i guarantee his insurance agent had no idea his daddy's letting him drive that car and then I know another buddy that sold a company that did, uh, he was an ELD, MobileCom. They sold this sucker and his kids uh, were driving Lamborghinis, Porsches and all this to high school. OK, to high school. I don't drive those kind of cars. I, you know, don't let your kids be driving that kind of stuff to school. But I will say this, when I was in high school, I had a, it was called a Bertone. And Bertone was made by the same companies that did Ferraris and all that kind of neat stuff. And and I remember being a kid, and my mom had one of these little cars, a little two seater with a top popped off. And uh, so I had it, and I and was the talk of the high school because one, I had long hair, I had a mullet. Most other people didn't have mullets, but I, uh, I would drive in with that this thing and hairdo. part right next. Huh? That it's was a nice hair to use it?
1: It is. He, and he it had an achy look. He had an achy breaking heart, too. I did. <laughs> yeah I did. I did. yeah.
2: Yeah. Hey, I, I, I that's one of the first concerts I went and saw was him at the Longhorn Truck Stop. You rocked it, right there it. You in Louisiana, rocked it, Tony. In you mm-hmm. rocked it. I wish I could rock. I wish I could sing. You know, if I could sing, it would be a lot easier to make money than doing all this truck and stuff. I mean, I
1: you know. And I've
2: tried. I mean, I was even trying to sing in the shower this morning. My wife told me to shut up that she couldn't listen to her TikTok. Well,
1: so, speaking of shutting up, I ain't gonna ask you to shut up because you're my boss. But Megan, Megan told me we got to wrap this up soon. I got one more issue, but but uh, before your ADD kicked in, you had another question you wanted to ask him. You go first, and then I'll get to truck navigation. Well, my ADD already,
2: DD said I don't even know what the hell you're talking about. So <laughs> <All right.
1: laughs> you might as well go. I'll, 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 I'll jump think in of it again. I'll jump in first. We wanted to talk, Isaac, with you uh, because you're an expert in it, uh, truck navigation, routing, permit routing, and, and all of that good stuff. Tell us about your experiences. A lot of technology out there, obviously, and you won't hurt our feelings uh, if you if you name some names. But uh, most specifically, and this is what I really want to plug, uh, Isaac, the National Pilot Car Association and ProMiles are going to do a series of little webinar podcasts later this year trying to help the industry better understand some of the permit routing, uh, terminology as Tony and I have talked many times We're the United States, but not so much sometimes when it comes to permitting every state, for example, mm-hmm. uh, types their permit routing a little bit differently. And all kidding aside, especially for newbies and not so newbies, Isaac, it can cause some confusion sometimes. So give us your perspective on truck navigation, routing in general.
0: It, it can. And and I'll start off by just saying that just because people work around this industry doesn't mean that they know everything about it. I mean, you know, working in a permit office, it's a very different world sitting inside that office than it is out on the road. It's a different world being a truck driver in the oversized load versus the pilot uh, versus the bucket truck. I mean, we're all we're all seeing different things. And so it's very valuable to have these kinds of conversations where we all kind of get on the same page, right? From the from the company owner and the executives down, and dispatchers down to the drivers and the pilots, we all need to understand. And the and the the state people and the law enforcement, we all really need to understand what we're doing and what uh, each uh, what each other's roles are in the in the business. Uh, that that I'm looking forward to those webinars because that's going to help a lot um, on that. Uh, you know, your 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 permits are usually given. In most states, turn by turn, you know, you'll it'll say, you know, two miles, turn right on highway such and such, then two more miles, turn left on this. And uh, that's very helpful. Some states will just give you a list of highways and, you know, figure it out. Yeah. You know, it's like, you know, I ten to I forty nine to, to I 20 those are non-pro
1: mile okay. states, by the way. Yes. Just, just right. say yes. yes. Okay. Just say yes. No,
0: <laughs> the, the pro miles permits that we get um, are always detailed. They always have a lot of the often they'll have the exit numbers and the the in Texas I love it because we get the exit numbers, we get the um, the frontage road turn, you know, turn left here, turn right there. That's very helpful. Illinois, same thing. Turn by turn, you know, every road you're going to be on all the stuff that's going on. Uh, The most helpful thing and and something I know ProMiles is working on having the ability, you know, like a QR code on that permit where you can just scan Mm -hmm. it and Mm -hmm. it'll give you the turn by turn directions because what, I mean, the number one thing you don't want to do if you're the lead pilot car and obviously the truck driver as well. And this is, this is why we say all eyes on the permit. Everyone needs to read the permit. Uh, you, what you don't want to do is make a wrong turn, go the wrong mm-hmm. direction. Let's just say, or get off route somehow. We were supposed to turn right a mile ago. Uh-oh, now mm-hmm. we're lost. You know, now we got to stop, figure out how to turn around. We don't want any of that. And there are some really big juicy tickets you can get, uh, in, in certain States, uh, they can be really pricey, uh, if you are off route, so don't, don't do it again, back to woo way. Don't do it. Don't get off route. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, uh, the help having that turn by turn would help. And, um, you know, as a pilot, for example, we also learn, you know, about five miles before your turn, you call it out, you know, we're about five miles from our right turn on highway 45, because if we're going to have any arguments about which direction we're supposed to go, that's the time to do it five miles before the turn. Right, then maybe the mm-hmm. back door says, "Hey, wait! Aren't we turning left on 45?" And the driver looks at his permit. I look at my permit. Wait, okay, we're turning right. You know, let's all be on the same page what we're doing. But yeah, mm-hmm. having that uh, turn-by-turn audio—that's um, that's good technology. We need that everywhere. We need to be able to get the turn-by-turn uh, from the on the permit like we get from ProMiles, uh, so that we can have the kind of quality permit that improves safety. Because if and you, you if the the it's too confusing. I mean, you know, what? That's, that's a real gonna be cool fun.
1: thing about that. Real cool thing about that, Isaac, Tony and his partner, Tim, giving that to states, starting with Illinois and then I think Montana, Montana and Idaho, literally free of charge. I mean, no hidden value, no nothing. Uh, it's just the way Tony and Tim rock. It's it's. Um. Our gift back to industry in the interest of safety. Uh, so Well, I, you know
2: what it is. We got sick and tired of these guys not reading the permits yeah, and not really understanding them. And we thought, you know, why not build a route guidance system? Not a navigation system. It's not what it is. It's there to guide you. It's guiding you based on what that permit says. Like you said a minute ago, that huge load has to be the only thing on top of that bridge as it goes across. Well, that needs to be spoken, these instructions. You're not going to get that from a Google. You're not going to get that from an Apple or a Microsoft or any of these MapQuest. They're not going to give you that kind of detail. And what we did, was was really cool, our buddy Gino up there in Illinois, uh, they use HERE data, HERE.com. And HERE.com is the only state that uses their information. We were able to work with here and work with Illinois and take their navigation information that the permit has, even though we didn't build it to begin with, and turn it into this route guidance systems. And so our very first one we built, put out there was not even a pro mile state. It was a state that was the farthest from ProMiles. But what we saw was a better need to make sure that you don't have to keep going back to that paper. You know, we wanted something to talk to you, to be that voice, that guardian angel, say, hey, you know, coming up, there's a 12 foot bridge and you're 13 warning. You better take this exit. There's things that we want to make better. But the first thing that starts with is better data coming from the jurisdictions to start. I remember now my question, Isaac, you, you're very familiar with Israel. OK, now my mom was a minister. Uh, she's traveled all over the world and all kinds of places. She's been out to some tribes, areas that they had machine gun people guide her through. I mean, she has been some really amazing things. Well, she passed away a couple of years ago and, um, after she passed away and, and all that, we were making some breakfast one morning and I ended up getting this olive oil out of the pantry and I used it to make us all breakfast. I found out it was special. It came from Israel. Now, I don't know. Did I do something really wrong cooking <laughs> with that olive oil? Am I going to get in trouble by somebody? Or no. or is that normal that from Plains, Israel, are, are something, I hope it don't go bad. But tell me, do they do that? Is that normal that they bless the olive oil or
0: something? Do you, what do they do you, with it? Do you like frogs, flies, and boils? Um, <laughs> oh, no. no. Uh, you're, you're, you're just fine. Uh, we, we say blessings when we eat um to uh you know just general over the food uh no you're you're fine israel makes a lot of things uh they make olive oil there's the dead sea skincare products that are um mm-hmm. that are a lot of fun uh, israel is getting into more manufacturing uh, has natural gas now most of what israel does however is in uh, research and development software uh technology really uh, doing hmm. doing so much i mean i I went over there and, and you hear these things, you know, I, w- I was there in 2010, you hear things about it being the startup nation, having more startup companies per capita than any other country. I met so many entrepreneurs. I mean, everybody's involved in some kind of special project, whether it's, you know, a, a camera that is a pill that you can take instead of having an invasive look at your, your gastrointestinal system, you can just take this pill and the camera will, will transmit Via Wi-Fi, um, all of your inner—they've had, they,
2: had that for years. So I think it was family. I shrunk the kids or something. Was that it? <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> uh,
0: but but those kinds of technologies and every you know and that wasn't the only one. There were several different wow. people working toward that thing, and uh, just all these different ideas out there. And it's beautiful because uh, they're they're thinking up the next thing that from the chip that's in the the Xbox to most cell phone technology. Uh, Israel is on the on the cutting edge of business. And I will tell you, nobody does water reclamation and uh, desalinization uh, better than Israel Mm. and water efficiency, uh, because they water is a big deal, as you can imagine. So if you you know, they have software that tracks leaks in your pipes, they went down to Australia and and saved a third of Sydney's water supply was going out really leaking from the pipes underground. And so they found the biggest leaks with this software and they were able to go out and fix those. And that saved a lot of water and then get working down to the smaller ones. Um, so, I mean, every it's, it's amazing the technology and the things that are going on there. Um, I would have
2: never, I would have never guessed, buddy, you know, when I think Israel, I think God, I think Jesus, I think the Bible, I think biblical. I don't think that these people there are changing the world. I mean, literally changing the world with technology. That, that is really cool. And I'm glad, you know, I feel much better because my two sisters, <laughs> They're going to hear from me now because they told me <laughs> I did something wrong. Okay. And I shouldn't have used that olive oil to cook our eggs or whatever in that morning. And uh, I felt so bad. So you made feel much better. Did, I can did sleep you fry better them? at night. Uh, did yes. you fry it or put it in we, the we, oven? We, no, we fried them. We, we fried oh, eggs and I used oh, a little olive oil. So I'm not sure oh, if man. frying it wasn't. And, and it was a flame oh. under it too. So I don't know if that's good, but oh, uh, at least I feel better.
0: We, we use olive oil for all kinds of cooking. You no, tourism um, is a big industry in Israel. It's taken a bit of a hit lately because of the, uh, the COVID yeah. crisis. Uh, but it is, it is a beautiful place to go. And for all you hear on the news, it is very, very safe. Uh, but, you know, you go out there and you stand next to this wall that was built 2,000 years ago. You know, when, when Augustus Caesar was the emperor of Rome, we, you know, we in America, it's like we see something that's 200 years old. I'm like, wow, look how old that is. And, you know, I go over there and I'm, I'm standing next to a wall that was built 2,000 years ago. And you think, you know, you, you walk down a street and you're like, you know, Jesus walked down this street, uh, mm-hmm. you know, 2,000 years ago. I mean, you know, it's the history is everywhere um, and it's, it's so much to see. So, uh, you know, before, you know, put it on your bucket list. Go there. See it yourself. Definitely.
1: definitely. Uh, I great, am. I'm going. Great
0: tours. Um, yeah. you know, make sure you see Caesarea and, and Apo up in Haifa. The Baha'i Gardens there are just gorgeous. Uh, Tel Aviv is a lovely, bustling city.
2: Hey, Isaac, and- when we go, we're just going to bring you, buddy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you well, well, We'll bring you, your six kids, your wife, the lady. We'll bring us
0: all. And we'll he's, we'll take certified. All he's
1: certified. He's certified. I'm certifiable, go
0: yes. No, uh, <laughs> there you go. no but I, I, Stephen knows how my tours go uh, as a oh, tour guide, acting awesome. out the history.
1: Oh, yeah, he actually well, pantomimes and, yeah,
2: yeah. <laughs> this have you guy, ever you
0: been on check one of those
2: Civil War history things, you know, that they get together every year and he they did. play? All those, he was you a reenactor. Yep.
0: I was reenactor. As a teenager, I went to all the battlefields. I got to hang out with some of the great historians um, before we lost them. Uh, and uh, get to meet those guys and listen to them. Um, the great historians of the, of the 80s and 90s. Anyway, we got new historians now, but um, yep. some some of the, uh, the, uh, the people that were in the uh, uh, Ken Burns documentary uh, on the Civil War, uh, a lot of those guys. And it was really amazing because you go there and they help you relive it, but they also take you back. And like, this battlefield didn't look like this 150 years ago. Here's where this army was. And I like that kind of thing because it puts you there. If you're going to be on a historical site, you need to be there in what happened yep. at the time in that mindset. And um, yeah. it's a lot of fun. But, yeah.
1: I'm um, not just... I'm not That's just saying time. this, Tony, because Isaac's a good friend. You, you got to check out his history podcasts; they're awesome, and they're just as animated as he is here, if not uh, uh, more so. Well, let's so. hey,
2: talking about that. Hey, uh, once Meg does all of her magic with this thing, uh, I would like you if you would Isaac. Let's give a couple of plugs for those three different because you have three podcasts mm-hmm. you do, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. So tell us the names, tell us the, the, the URL or, you know, what, what the names are for us, our viewers to look for. And, um, and we'll post it. We'll get Megan to go ahead and post it up on the screen for the YouTubers and stuff that can see I this can, thing, but I can tell certainly us.
0: send you some links for sure. No, uh, uh, talking about awesome. trauma is my, my oldest podcast. It, it just talks about PTSD and mental health issues in general, uh, my own struggles and what have you. Uh, Stephen's talking about the Isaac Kite Show. I created that one just as a general podcast where I could talk about anything I wanted to because it didn't have a subject matter. And that's where I talk about life skills, history. Um, I had a great time. And and I know Stephen likes my talking about uh, the American Revolution and and the history of our country, Mm -hmm. uh, which, you know, and and I don't start at because everyone always starts at 1776 or what have you. I start way back in Rome and talk about how we got here from there. um, Mm -hmm. So you can really understand the ideological underpinnings of what happened. And so that's that's that show. And then Inside Israel News uh, is a news commentary show. I keep you up to date on what's going on around the world, and especially in the Middle East and Israel, um, give you an inside perspective on on what what's happening from someone who really knows how things work over there, understands the culture. Uh, and I try to be, I, I, I tell you what I think, but I try to be unbiased. That way you're not getting one side of the story. Uh, I'll tell you both sides right. and then I'll tell you what I think. And that way you, you have a clearer vision of what's going on.
2: Well, man, Isaac, you've been amazing, buddy. I've yeah. learned more about pilot cars over this last time talking to you. Now with the association that you guys are with uh, for the pilot car piece, uh, what's the name of the association again? What's, what's their website?
0: Uh, National Pilot Car Association. That's nationalpca.org. Uh, and the, or you can just Google us national pilot car association. Uh, we formed it a few years back to provide advocacy for the industry, uh, professional Mm -hmm. advocacy. And now years later, I mean, we're able to go to the SC and RA. We're able to go to some of the Ashto, WASHTO, uh, SASHTO meetings and meet with state officials. We're able to connect to take, some of us are able to take the time to connect with the industry and make sure that our members have access are represented and have access to the information of what's going on, and uh, more importantly, that we're we're in the mix of things because just like I talked about here on the podcast, so many people don't know. Those people sit in those mm-hmm. state offices. the The owners of the companies don't know a lot of this stuff, and so just interacting over the last few years with the trucking companies and telling them, look, you need to be vetting pilot cars for their for their certifications and insurance, and um, have them take a picture of their vehicle with their equipment on you know, so that, you know, they have the stuff they need in order to, to squirt your load. Don't be caught with your pants down. You don't want that lawsuit to come in and it's like, Oh, uh, I don't have the right insurance. And you know, I yep. mean, it's all going to come back to the carrier in that case.
2: Yeah. Cause they're not all guardian angels. I guess some of those guys are the bad demons that screw mm-hmm. it all up because they don't do it right. They don't do the research, but if you want to be a pilot car guy or gal, And you want to be able to drive that nice little car across the country and then on your way back, stop and have a lot of fun, you know, get in touch with this association because they'll help you. They'll help you understand the good, the bad, the ugly, and they'll probably save you a whole lot of money and headache that uh, you don't have to learn on your own. Because I will tell you, you know, people talk about bankers. You know, you got good bankers, you got bad bankers, you got good attorneys, you got bad attorneys, you got good brokers, bad brokers. Well, guess what? You got some really damn good pilot car guys out there like you, Isaac, that really give a shit, and then you've got a lot of them out there that don't. And I'll tell you, me and my family, I'd rather be behind that guy that's going to pull out in front of me to help protect me Amen. and slow me down from having an accident versus that guy that's going to go, oh, let that idiot go by. Let them do whatever they're going to do. It's going to be their fault. No, it's your responsibility. You're our angel. Be an angel.
1: Don't be a devil. So well, I appreciate you, Mr. Isaac. We'll, we'll Most, close most out of our lives are safe, so. Amen. I'm going to plug a Facebook site, believe it or not. And that actually two of them, the NPCA has a Facebook site and a monthly call too, by the way, which uh, I enjoy when I can make it. Uh, But there's a new pilot car site out now, Tony, and I can't believe I'm plugging a pilot car Facebook site because some of them are real doozies, (laughs) if you know what I mean. But a great site for pilot industry and carrier industry, high, wide, Mm -hmm. heavy, because they've worked real hard to eliminate a lot of the BS and the drama you see on Facebook. Yep. When people start acting like idiots, they'll shut them down and it's just very professional. And, uh, I think it's, it's, it's really cool. And, uh, I'll say this too, Isaac, as I close out and then I'll give Tony the final word. Um, you're here, your pretty face is here. You're the first to admit, there are many, many more like you. You know the Josh's and and all the others out there, and uh, you take this message back to them from Pro Miles. How much we truly appreciate yes. uh, the efforts that you do uh, to keep us safe, and we'll keep doing our our work on our end to make sure that uh, your word gets out there and that, uh, that relationship which you and I started many years ago between the carrier industry and the pilot industry continues to improve because communication is everything. But please tell all your colleagues a big thank you from us.
0: I will take that message back. And we we appreciate all the help we get from all of the industries that support us, especially ProMiles, uh, you guys are are great. Um, and the, the little, ev- every little thing you guys do from developing a route survey software. We've got a route survey app coming up soon. From oh, that's another ten turn, bucks
1: for you. Turn, turn, you, you turn by turn coming. directions.
0: The you know? turn by mm-hmm. turn direct. Every every little thing you guys do makes a huge, huge benefit for our industry. Makes it safer. Yeah. Makes it a lot easier to do my job.
1: Isaac, I only got twenty bucks. <clears throat> Enough with the plug. Uh, well, at least he's gonna no. give gonna me the cash. cash. He's, he's not using business the business credit
0: a- card. That's better. I know. No, we're gonna do more.
1: We're going to do bourbon and a cigar. That's what we do every year.
0: Oh, Absolutely. yes. Absolutely.
1: Last word, there Tony. You go. Well, Isaac,
2: I appreciate you coming today. And uh, I tell you what, buddy, we've in our permit manager product that we built for uh, we got three permit services used in it. We now have a fleet that started using here this last week. And uh, i tell you, technology is what this industry really needed. But I don't care how great our technology is. You know, we can make it as pre as we can on the state side, but it takes people like you that really helps get those big movements to happen. And I'll tell you, with everything going around this world right now, the last thing anybody wants is not be able to move them loads. And so we appreciate you appreciate the association getting put together and going out and doing this. And all I can say, buddy, Isaac, you, you just get out there and you've got pro miles as a friend. We'll do everything we can buddy to try to make things safer for Everybody, the four wheelers, the two wheelers, you know, all of them, you know, we want everybody to be safe out there. But the biggest thing is, is we want people to understand that trucking, it's, it's a way of life. Once you get into this, it's, it's hard to get out. But once you get in, you will meet some of the most amazing people. And Isaac, you are a very amazing person. You give a crap when it comes to these people. You give a crap about safety. You know, you're not the standard, quote, pilot car guy that we normally run into you're an expert. And, uh, and I just, I, I pray to God that we got a lot more of you out there. Uh, and that, you know, cause what's going to happen, buddy, we didn't automate permits 20 years ago. It was all by hand. Now 80, 90% of us by hand or by automation now. So people don't actually have to build it. But that last part of moving it is if it ain't uh, as hard, it may even be more hard now than it was five years ago. One last cool um, thing.
1: One last cool thing. <laughs> uh, he is a big Patriot too, by the way, he's, he's, Isaac's Mister All American. Have you noticed, Tony? I bet Megan's noticed. Every once in a while, when he turns his cool John Lennon shades the right way, the fricking American flag flag is yep, his it behind his head too, That's and behind so cool. him on his uh, on his window too. T- I saw back there too. Hey, yeah. our love, our love to lady Rachel, the kids, and NPCA. Yes.
0: Thank you very much, and and I appreciate all the things you guys do. And it's a great great to be here and Josh around with you guys. We'll have to do this again sometime soon.
1: Absolutely. Hey,
2: I'll be more than happy to come join some of yours, too. I'll be interested in some of those parts and mostly the uh, PTSD part, because one day we'll talk about it. But, uh, buddy, yep. I fell out of a college dorm with 38 bones in my body. So we'll, we'll have a conversation one day about that, me falling off side of a cliff here on a truck and all kinds of stuff. I mean, I'm blessed. Somebody upstairs is, is keeping me. I've had a lot more than nine lives in my life. And uh, so we'll, I'd love to have some of those yeah. conversations with you one day.
0: I'll sign off by saying, I mean, uh, my grandfather, you know, did, you know, was heroic things at Okinawa, but the injuries on our body heal, mm-hmm. but we don't take the time sometimes to think about our minds and our souls. You know, we need to, we yep. need to take time to heal those two and uh, more attention needs to be paid to that. There's no, no shame in, in saying you need help. And, I concur. And, you know, getting the right I concur,
1: other. buddy. Peace out. Shalom. Okay.
0: Yep. Shalom indeed. Peace. Yeah.